Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Amen. So this morning, I'd like to speak to you today for a few moments about isolation precautions. Isolation precautions. Lord, I pray that you would have your way with this service, Lord God, that you would anoint your word and that you would speak to our hearts through this sermon, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to isolate ourselves from you. Help us not to avoid bringing our issues to you because we are ashamed of ourselves, but help us this morning to show us the precautions in your word about isolating ourselves from you and your never-ending love, God. I praise you this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you've been in church for any period of time, you will find that certain phrases in our Christian vocabulary lose their power or at least their ability to penetrate our minds and because of our usage of the words. Like, for example, when we say grace, this is a phrase or a word a concept that is so familiar to many of us that I'm afraid that when we sing Amazing Grace, we do not realize just how amazing that concept actually is. Amen. And grace is great and all, but it is also dangerous because to really understand the grace of God is to understand that it jeopardizes the way that you have lived your life. And it will not be contained by our conception of it, but our conception of it must come up to the level of its sufficiency. And so in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45, we see an example of this kind of grace, and I'd like to spend the majority of my time in just one verse. And the verse is verse 40. And it says that a man with leprosy came to him. And I looked in Matthew's gospel, and I looked in Luke's gospel, and John's gospel, to see if I could find a little more information about this man. But Mark doesn't tell us much about him. 
You don't know about his background. You don't know his hair color, his eye color. He doesn't even give the common courtesy of stating his name. Now, come on, you even ask your server at the restaurant what their name is. But this man, who's the subject of one of the first miracles recorded in the book of Mark, does not even get a name. We're not told his name, but we are told about his condition, which is leprosy. We're not given his name, but we know about his issues, which is leprosy. You see, it goes to show that sometimes your identity can be consumed by your issues. And that is, you can become more known by what's wrong with you than who you have the potential to be. To the point that you are no longer, you no longer know your name or you no longer have a real sense of your identity or yourself. And we are losing a sense of ourselves at times because our issues have run so rampant that they have consumed our identity. And now when Moses met with God, the fire was burning the bush, but it did not consume the bush. It burned and it burned. And God spoke from the bush and he said, I want you to know who I am. And Moses said, who are you? And he said, I am. And Moses didn't understand. He's like, that's a great, that's a great start. But what comes next? And then God said, without really saying, whatever you need comes next. Because I will not change, I am. But what you will need in different seasons in your life will change. And so whatever you need, I will already be before you even know your need. I am what you need. Amen? How many are grateful for an omnipotent, omniscient God who knows what you need and can be what you need? Amen? Amen. Now, some people know what you need, but they cannot be it. Some people would love to give you what you need if they could, but they can't. God is the only one who simultaneously knows what you need and is what you need. Amen? Amen. Tell the person next to you, even if you've been married for 50 years, and tell them, you can't be what I need in every season of life. Amen. You can't be what I need. You might come close sometimes, but I need a God who is familiar with my secrets and my most intimate issues and has still, he has still made the decision to love me on my worst day, in my failure, with my flaws. I need a God who will choose me, not just despite my flaws, but because of my flaws and because all things work together for good according to his purpose hallelujah Jesus who will make my weakness his strength who will set up and dwell in the midst of a broken praise amen that is what God is to me and so this man was given no name we know his issue but not his name his identity has been completely consumed by his issue and I'm hanging on this point because I wonder has it ever happened to you? God did not say, I am the great I did. But there is always a temptation in life to over-identify either with your issues or with your gifts. 
And so if you are really good at something, you can learn in life to perform in such a way that you receive the praise of people because of what you do. For example, a professional athlete. But God is not the great I do. He is the great I am. And I feel like the revelation of this is worth us hanging out in verse 40, where a man with leprosy, a man with leprosy whose name has been consumed by his disease for which there was no cure, a man who has been neglected and confined and quarantined to the outside quarters of society, prohibited from normal human relationships, caused to dwell in isolation. And in Leviticus 13, we see a snapshot of the kind of situation that this man would have lived in. The book of Leviticus at points reads more like a dietary book <laughs> than it does like a scripture verse. If you've ever read it, because all the dietary restrictions are in there, right? And then when you get to Leviticus 13, it's more like a dermatology manual. <laughs> then it's like a devotion. And so don't read Leviticus if you're looking for a quick inspiration. You know, it gives, it gives prescriptions like, like this. It says, if you have, a, have leprosy, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. They must have their hair unkept. They must cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean, when someone passes by. And probably the saddest part is as long as they have this disease and they remain unclean, they must live alone. They must live outside the camp in isolation by themselves. And the greatest pain of this particular issue is not physical, it's emotional. It is the pain of isolation. And so now you understand the significance of this phrase, a man with leprosy, who had no name, but he came to him who has the name above every other name. Amen? So that means whatever name your issue has, there is a name that is above that name. And if you can name the issue, I know a name that is above it that can make your issues take a knee in the presence of Almighty God. Amen? And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait till one day. I might as well start using my tongue right now. Amen? He came to Jesus and he did it all wrong. He did it all wrong. He did everything wrong. This man, he broke every religious rule in, in the book because he didn't first of all announce unclean, unclean. Okay? He didn't, he, he didn't identify himself by his issue. And he did not keep the appropriate distance. Because you see, when you have leprosy, you've, been, you, you've got to stay back because you are contagious. And this law was not given because people were cruel. This law was given because it was contagious. And they did not want that disease to spread. You see, today, even though leprosy is very rare, especially in the United States, because we have found a cure, but even so today, we still put the patient in isolation precautions because they are contagious. And it will spread from airborne droplets until they have the proper antibiotics in their system that kills the microorganisms that cause leprosy. 
or better known today as Hansen's disease. And so if they sneeze or they cough or they even breathe close enough to you, you are at risk for contracting that disease. If you are not wearing the correct isolation precautions, you are at risk. And symptoms include light-colored or red skin patches with reduced sensation, numbness, and weakness in their hands and their feet. And there is still a lot of stigma and prejudice that remains about this disease. And those suffering from it today are isolated and discriminated against in many places where this disease is seen. And so it's crazy that he would think to approach anyone alone, let alone the miracle worker from Galilee. A man with leprosy came to Jesus. And he was 50 paces away. That was the set distance. 50 paces. That's the appropriate distance that a leper was supposed to keep in order that they would not defile someone who was clean. 50 paces, and he's allowed to be around people, just not close, though. He can come to church. The leper can come to church, but if he comes to church, he has to sit behind a special screen so that nobody will catch what he has. Wouldn't that be interesting? Because you see, the leper had an advantage over a lot of us because his issue was on the outside. A lot of us don't have spots on our skin, but we have secret spots. Spots in our soul, in issues of insecurity. You can't see them. And there's certain issues you can see, you know. Certain addictions manifest in practical ways, and someone goes to get help. But the thing about secret spots is when they are on the inside of you. You can be in church, but you are behind a screen. And so that screen keeps other people from seeing you as you really are. But it also keeps you from seeing God as he really is. Amen. And so you can come to church, but you're behind a screen. And you can come to church, but you don't really let the presence of God touch you. You can come to church, but you fight down the emotions and can come to church, but you play it off because the people next to you, they kind of know you and, and you feel kind of ashamed. You see, shame always creates a screen to keep you from being who you really are, from seeing and being seen, and from back here behind a, this screen, I, I'm, I'm at church, but not really. I'm coming home physically, but I'm staying at work emotionally. I learned how to hide behind the screen because if I stay behind the screen, they can't see me. And so behind a screen, the devil's got us hiding behind screens. Behind that screen, will you create a digital persona to hide your dysfunction? And in an age where we have more opportunities to connect than ever before, we have to come out and be seen. And we cannot be seen behind a screen. And so the man violated the law that was meant to protect the people from being infected by what had consumed his skin. And he heard that there was a man who had been standing up in, in synagogues and telling demons to sit down. And be cast out. And, he, and so he figured if Jesus can deal with demons, maybe, maybe he's got something for my skin too. 
And if Jesus can do that for them, you see, that's why you need to be encouraged today. Because if he ever did it for anyone, what's then stopping him from doing it for you? Amen? Amen. And so he decided to take the walk of shame. 50 steps. And the first step, it must have been the hardest. Because if I stay here, I'm going to die. But I'd rather die trying to be whole than live half-hearted. You see, the danger of isolation is much greater than the risk of intimacy. It's safer to come out from behind the screen and be seen as you really are than it is to hide behind an image of what you want people to think you are while while, uh, you know, you have to hide that in, in, on the inside, an image of what you want people to think you are. While you're dying on the inside with secret spots, secret insecurities that cause us to stay behind performance in our professions. And so he started that walk of shame and he was thinking, well, nobody is stopping me yet. He took a couple steps. But where was Peter? Peter he shouldn't have let this man get that close to Jesus. Remember when Peter cut off the servant's ear in the garden? Where was his sword? He was his bodyguard. <laughs> this could have ruined the whole ministry because if the unclean touches the clean, the clean becomes unclean. But this man had apparently become desperate enough and I don't know what happened on this day or if it was just his personality type, but he decided to try it. And I'm going to get to Jesus. I don't care what I have to do. I still have a long way to go, but I'd rather find out for myself because if Jesus can really do what they say he can, if, if, if he can really do what they say he can, I want to be with my friends and family again one day. And I don't even know if I'm going to make it to Jesus because they could kill me for what I'm doing right now. They could stone me outside the camp for daring to bring my defiled self in the presence of the undefiled. But because sometimes you come to a point where you don't even care how it looks anymore or, or really even what it costs you because I'd rather live as I really am than die in this lonely place. And so I wonder if anybody will stop me. I hope they don't kill me. I know I look crazy, but I might as well. I've already lost everything. I'm desperate. And there he is. And he's thinking to himself, am I really going to do this? I've come too, but he's saying, I've come too far. I'm, I'm closer to this than I am to my past. Are you going to keep marching around those walls or are you going to stop? And finally, after the longer, the longest 50 steps of his, of, of his life, he made it. And he said, here I am, Lord. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And, and you can see in my skin that on the surface, I'm defiled. But I have more faith than a lot of the people who have perfect skin. Because at least I came. And I heard that you could heal and I'm here. And I know I'm not supposed to be here. And I know they could kill me for being here. And if you are who I've heard you are. You are the Holy One of God, and, and your holiness and my unholiness do not belong in the same vicinity. 
but I'm here and I took 50 steps that, and so that I, what, because I wasn't supposed to take. But I'm here and I'm completely out of place. But I'm here. If you put that verse back up again, I'm, I'm here. I'm out of place. But it wasn't the 50 steps that got him healed. It was the next thing he did when he got there. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him. I'm here and I'm humble. But it wasn't those first 50 steps that got him healed. It was the 51st step. You see, you can come all the way to church and not get your healing because you won't get it with your arms crossed. But if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and hit your knees in your heart and let God know, I don't want to be my issues anymore. I heard what you could do, and if you will, if you, will you can make me clean. I know you can. I'm just not sure if you will. And we have so much doubt and I realize it's much easier to get people to believe that God is great than it is to get them to believe that God is good. It's not hard to get people to believe that God can do anything. The universe declares the glory of God and the skies show forth his power. The firmament, his handiwork. It's not can God make an ocean that I wonder about. It's can God still the seas within me. Because I know you can, but will you? We doubt God so much today. And Jesus did something so dangerous that day. You see, intimacy is risky. And for Jesus to touch this man, it put him at risk of catching what the man had. And he touched this man. Some of us won't even high-five our neighbor in church without hand sanitizer. <laughs> and Jesus touched the man. He touched him. You can't do that, Jesus, because according to Levitical law, if the unclean touches the clean, then the clean will become unclean. But Jesus said, I do not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. You see, when that which is perfect has come, that which is imperfect will be done away with. And now, one greater than Moses is on the scene. And this is one greater than he who heard I am. Because this is the I am, which was spoken of in that bush. And he's on the scene. And so Jesus said, I'm not worried about touching him. If the unclean touch the clean, then the clean becomes unclean. But if the unclean touches Jesus, Jesus, who is the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God, when one who is unclean touches one that is perfectly clean, the unclean doesn't make the clean unclean. The perfectly clean makes the clean unclean clean. As a tongue twister. Hope you followed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I thought about how he is not ashamed to be identified with us. How he is not worried about touching what I got. But, I, but if, if I get close enough to Jesus, his righteousness will rub off on me. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for coming to this earth to touch me. Thank you, Lord, and thank you, Lord. And his grace is contagious. It's contagious. Grace is more contagious than shame. 
It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you smell like. It doesn't matter what they labeled you. You are not what you did, and you are not what they said. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Amen, amen. And so the first time that man felt something on his skin, he was touched by the one who wrapped him in flesh. And the word became flesh. This message this morning is not very deep, and I understand that. It's not very profound. I get that, but there's so much shame that keeps us away from the presence of the Almighty God who is already willing to take it all away. So much shame. When Jesus looked at that man, the Bible says he was 41, filled with compassion. He was filled with compassion. You may, you may say, but Nate, the, Bible's, the Bible says Jesus was indignant from that one scripture. Jesus was indignant. But if you remember that, an older translation says that Jesus was filled with compassion. See, the Bible was translated from Greek, and sometimes the languages are hard to translate between. Because culturally, how they saw certain concepts and how we see certain concepts, they're not the same. And so we, when we say grace, it's kind of a soft term. But when the Hebrew mind thought of grace, they imagined grace coming from the same place that anger came from. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to teach you a new word today. You guys ready? You can impress your friends at work tomorrow. <laughs> the word is splanknitsamai. Say it with me, splanknitsamai. Yeah, just say it with confidence and they won't know. <laughs> they won't know if you said it right or not. Just say it. <laughs> say it in the Greek, splanknitsamai. And here in the, here the newer translation, which they did in 2011, the NIV translate, translation committee, they did it a little different. They said Jesus was indignant. But in 1984, when they got together to translate it according to the same protocol of translation, they put it as compassion. And then when they translated it again, they said, no, it should be indignant, angry, furious, frustrated, annoyed, indignant, undignified, but which one is it? Was he filled with compassion or was he indignant? It was actually both. He was filled with compassion and he was indignant. It came from the same place, splachnitsamai. It means the guts, the bowels, the place where you really feel it which becomes more, much more meaningful when you remember that the first sign of leprosy is that you lose your feeling in your extremities. And now this man who has lost the ability to feel and who has gone numb is touched by a Savior who can feel for him. Amen? And see, that's where Christianity is different than every other world religion. This is why we're not just one in a list, but because we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but he is able to be touched with that feeling. And you know what happens in life is we go numb. 
We go numb, especially in this age of information where we are expected to process all of these events at once, the good ones and the bad ones. We can't even feel it anymore. When you go numb, you, you can get hurt and not even feel it. And you can die from a small cut that becomes infected, infects your blood because you do not feel it. And you don't know it needs healing because you do not feel it. Amen? Has the enemy made you go numb to the point that you no longer feel splagnitsamai? Jesus felt for the man, but the religious system had gone numb. The religious system went when Jesus healed a man with his shriveled hand. One chapter later in Mark, they were worried about which day he did it on. You see, they had gone so numb that the only thing that they could think about was how he broke the rules. But Jesus looked at this man with compassion and he looked at the shame that the man carried with anger. Splagnitsamai. And Jesus, looking at the man's condition, breaks the rules, makes a move, and he feels for the man. He touches the man. He touches him because he feels for him. I want to feel again, God. I want my heart to break over the state of my family. I want my heart to break over the state of race relations in my nation. I want my heart to break over what is not yet perfect in me, Lord. I want to feel again, God, and I want to feel the joy of your presence. Cast me not away from your presence, God. Renew a right spirit within me. I want to feel again. I don't want to go through this life hiding behind screens and numb on the inside. I want to feel again. I want your presence more than I want someone's approval. I want to feel again, Lord. So if you go back to this story, why was Jesus angry? He He wasn't angry at the man. It wasn't the man's fault that he had leprosy, but maybe he was mad because he knew that the man was going to do exactly what he told him not to do. Did you catch that in verse 43 at the end? Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. Again, the English is weak. It's not, it's not really wrong. It's just weak. It means Jesus charged the man with a flared nostril. That's the picture. Look it up on Google. You'll see a scholar said Jesus snorted. Now, I know you don't like snorting Jesus. You like happy Jesus. But Jesus snorted and told the man, don't tell anyone what I did to you. Because if you tell people, it will prohibit me because they will just want me to do for them this kind of miracle. But I've got to do what I came to do, which is die for their sin and not just fix their issues. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'll be coming to a close if the musicians would come. Jesus knew that the man was going to do exactly what he told him not to do. But he healed him anyway. And he knew that you would still struggle with sin. But he died for you anyways. Amen. And that's so powerful. He did it anyway. He knew that even though my chains would be broken... I would still struggle with my sin, but he did it anyway. And so Jesus told the man, don't tell anyone. And the man went and told everyone. 
You see, when God has touched you and healed you in ways like no one else can, you can't keep it to yourself. No one will have to train you to evangelize. You will just naturally tell somebody, he changed me. In fact, your life will be, a mark, will be marketing for God. And people will start asking you what happened to you, and you'll be like, come see a man who told me. Come see a man who wasn't ashamed to touch my life. Amen. Don't just come to church with me. You need to meet a man named Jesus and, and you need to let him touch your life. And he, he went and he told everybody what he wasn't supposed to tell. And the Bible says that because he did. See, it's so beautiful that Jesus in verse 45 could no longer enter a place openly. You see it, but stayed outside in lonely places. When this story started, the leper was in isolated place. But by the time it was over, Jesus was where the leper belonged. Amen. And here's the gospel. He did not just heal the man's skin, but he took his place. And that's why I praise him. Not just because my family always went to church, not just because I feel guilty, but because he took my place. Amen? He took my place. You see, the Bible says the leper came to Jesus, but I beg to differ. Because in the fullness of time, God robed himself in flesh, born of a virgin. You see, the leper didn't come to Jesus. Jesus came to the leper. And I want you to know he sees where you are and he knows what you struggle with. He is not ashamed to come to you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this world to save me, God. Amen, amen. If you stand in this place, he didn't just heal my issues, but he took my place. He took my place. Now the leper can go in and Jesus must stay out and he becomes, he became sin who knew no sin. That we can be made whole again in him. Amen. In this gospel I preached has the power to take away your guilt and your shame, but you have to get into position. You can't get this grace until you're willing to bring yourself into submission by raising your hands and bowing your knees. And if you can, you will. You see, I'm weak, but I heard you were strong. Will you do it for me, God, on the inside? I don't just want my screen to be shinier. I don't want to just get goosebumps when I come to church. I want to be changed like the leper was. I want you to touch me on the inside. I want to feel again, God. I want to feel again. I want to return to my first love. I want my lamp to burn again with holy oil. Lord, will you touch me, Lord? Touch me, Jesus. Amen, amen. Jesus reached out and he touched the man and his shame was gone and he came to do that for you this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. This altar is open if you would come come to Jesus. He has already come for you and now he wants you to take that next step. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for coming to this earth and taking my place, God. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and your unconditional love. I love you, Lord, and I pray that you would touch every individual in this place, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would help them not to be ashamed, but to come to you so that you can not only heal them, but that you can forgive them for anything that they have done. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to be defined by this world, but Lord, that you would define us. Lord God, that you would have your perfect will in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to, be, to hide behind screens, but to come to you with everything, even if we're ashamed of it. And I pray that you would have your perfect will in it, Lord God. You said that all things work together for good, and I'm trusting in that. Help us to see that our past and our, our mistakes are not who we are. Help us not to be like in isolation. Help us to be more like you, God. Help us not to just go through the motions at church, but to, to come and to feel you. Come here to encounter you, God. Come here expecting great things. Come here expecting miracles. Come here so that you can make us new. God, we love you and I thank you for your hand that has touched my life. I thank you for your provision. I thank you that you are always there for me. That you are always with me, Lord. That you are for us and you are not against us. Jesus, I thank you, Lord God. You are so holy, God. I thank you, Lord. I surrender it to you this morning, God. Lord God, our shame does not define us. Lord God, our issues do not define us. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you are, all that you do, Jesus. You are mighty, God. Lord, I thank you so much for coming to us, Lord God. For coming to this earth and dying, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so holy. 